Good morning and welcome to Palm Vista Community Church in our Advent series. The series is entitled, Longing for Glory. And today is the third sermon in the series. Today's sermon is entitled, Groaning and Glory. Anybody relate to groaning these days? Well, I want us to relate to glory as well. And so does God as he gives us this text in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. So turn there, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. William Wallace was a Scottish knight and leader of the wars of Scottish independence, depicted in the movie Braveheart. He had one cry in his life, one groan that uttered from the very depths of his being. And that cry was, freedom! This groan or this cry lies at the core of every man and woman. We hear the groaning for freedom throughout human history. We read it in the opening lines of our very own Declaration of Independence, written on July 4th or signed on July 4th, 1776, reading from this document. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We read this cry or this groan for freedom in the preamble to our American Constitution. Quoting from the American Constitution, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The blessings of liberty. Do you hear the groan, the cry for freedom? A groan or a cry echoed in the streets of Miami these past few weeks by the Cuban-American community that many of us come from that came to this city pursuing freedom. And just as those of us who came from this Cuban community and our forefathers came to this country and gave up everything for freedom. And as the forefathers of our country did in signing the Declaration of Independence, they put it all on the line to gain freedom because we have a cry, a groaning. Something in us at the very core of who we are wants to be free. All of these groans from William Wallace in the 12th century to you and me in the 21st century on the streets of Miami, we derive this cry, this groan for freedom from the greatest declaration of independence ever signed, because it was signed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who came to die for our freedom from the tyranny of sin and death. And that freedom is at the core of Christmas. It's at the core of this Advent season. And it's at the core of our text. So if you're there, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. Romans chapter 8. Verses 18 to 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set 
free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let me ask you a question. Why do you groan? We groan with this cry for freedom because we simply know the tyranny of bondage. You and I, We were created by God in his image for freedom. The freedom to worship him. The freedom to rule his creation underneath his benevolent rule. But we lost that freedom. We lost that freedom when we rebelled against God. Our first father, Adam, rebelled. And every human being since has been born with that rebellion and has acted out that rebellion. And we've all been born under the tyranny of of sin and death that our rebellion rightly deserves. And so we groan. Now, if you're here, dear non-believer, first of all, thank you for being here. I'm honored that you're here. We are honored that you're here. We would like to say hi to you later on. But you really can't groan this groan, biblically anyways, because you don't even know that you're under the tyranny of sin and death. But here's my prayer. That by the time this sermon is over, I pray that you start groaning. I know that may sound funny. I don't intend it to be funny. But I pray that the Holy Spirit enables you to see that you are in big trouble. That you need to be set free. Because when that groaning starts and when the Spirit convicts you of sin, you know, I believe he's going to convict you also of the righteousness of Christ. And as you repent, you will believe by his grace. And you will have the greatest gift this Christmas. Dear Christian... We do know the groaning because we have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set us free and we've experienced that freedom, but we still groan because there are areas where we still are not free. We have freedom uh, promise, the ultimate freedom, because of Jesus' first coming and his second coming, but we live in that in-between time where we find ourselves all bound up. And if we're not bound up, others are bound up. And their sin and their lack of freedom affects us. And so we groan. This text is written for us. And here's what God tells us in this text. The main point of the text. As you groan inwardly, wait eagerly and hope patiently for the glory of Christ. As you groan inwardly, wait eagerly and hope patiently for the glory of Christ of Christ. See, what makes Christmas such a wonderful time, friends, is this promise of freedom, of glory that we have in Christ. In Christ, we have the promise of freedom, the promise of glory. This promise was born on Christmas morning, Jesus Christ. This promise lived a perfect life. This promise was crucified on a cross just outside of Jerusalem, 
This promise rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And he gives us this promise that one day he will return and set us free once and for all. That cry, freedom, will be answered ultimately at the second coming of Christ. It was made possible at his first coming. It will be consummated at his second coming. So here's my blessing to you, dear Christian. Rejoice. Rejoice, groaning saints, your Savior will come. This is why we celebrate Advent. We rejoice. In the meantime, we groan. We groan inwardly, and we wait eagerly, and we hope patiently. Point one, we groan inwardly. We groan inwardly. I would love for you to look at Romans 8, verses 20 to 23 again with me. Read along as I read them. As this inward groaning is described for us in the text. And let the text speak to you. Let your eyes feast on the word of God. This is the most important thing you could ever have this Christmas. God's word. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That's speaking of God. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation groans. Why does creation groan? Because when man fell, when man rebelled against God, the punishment for that rebellion was was death. And creation was subjected to this punishment. It, it, It experienced the corruption that was introduced through the sin of man. And it's been groaning ever since. Creation groans. Creation longs to see the freedom that will be revealed when the sons of God are given their freedom at the very end. It's waiting eagerly as it's groaning for that day when it will be set free from this bondage of corruption on that final day. Thomas Schreiner, in his commentary on this text, said the following. On the screen, the creation longs for this revelation of God's children because that revelation will be the fulfillment and fruition of creation's function as well. Well, it's not just creation that groans, but we groan. You groan. (laughs) I groan. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 23 describes this inward groaning that we have because of the presence of sin. All right, so dear Christian, here's the truth for you. You've been delivered from the penalty of sin. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus died. The reason he came to die was to deliver you from the penalty of sin. He took your punishment. It was capital punishment. It was the wrath of God. So you've been delivered from the penalty of sin. And dear Christian, you've been delivered from the power of sin. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us, he made it possible for us to receive forgiveness and he overcame death. So the power of sin is death. And you, dear Christian, by your faith in Christ, you will not die eternally. You will live in the resurrection. So you've been delivered from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. But you haven't been delivered from the presence of sin. And it's not the person sitting next to you. It is that thing that's inside of you. What the Bible calls 
indwelling sin, what the Bible calls the sin nature, what Paul in the previous chapter writes about in Romans 7. So let's look at Romans 7 because that's the context for Romans 8 to understand what he's talking about, that we groan inwardly. Look at Romans 7, just a couple of verses on the screen, Romans 7, 21 to 24. Paul is describing the inward groaning that we all have. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I see William Wallace lying there about to be eviscerated and he cries out, freedom! This is Paul's cry. This is your cry. This is my cry. We groan. We're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the power of sin. But man, its presence is all too real to me. But listen to Paul's response to this cry for freedom. Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 7, 25 to 8, 2 on the screen. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is now, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Jesus delivers us. And let me just say this, dear non-believer, nothing can set you free from the law of sin and death but Jesus Christ. That's the deal about Christian. And he has set you free. And I pray he open your eyes to that reality. That you would really, really understand it and really, really repent. And you would experience true freedom. But when you do, you will still groan because there's indwelling sin. And not only do we groan because the sin within, what the Bible calls indwelling sin, but we groan because of the sin out there. We groan because of the enemies of God who become our enemies when we uh, convert to be a Christian. And we see that groaning, that outward groaning, in the second part of Romans 8. Look at Romans 8, 37 and 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a lot that seeks to separate you from the love of God. That's where the groaning comes. Things outside of you. People sinning against you. Forces arrayed against God. And since you are now gods in Christ, they're arrayed against you. But here's the promise in your groaning. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And that's what our text says. Back to Romans chapter 8. We groan inwardly, but we wait expectantly. We groan inwardly, but we wait expectantly. Look again at verse 23 of Romans 8. And not only the creation groans, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait expectantly or eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. As God's children, we groan with God's firm pledge that he came to set us free. We experience a measure of freedom now but we will experience the ultimate freedom then. And here's what he's given us to give us a pledge of that, like a down payment for a house or whatever. He's given you the spirit. 
Look at those last few words of verse 23. Excuse me. In the middle of 23. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. What God is saying there is, God the Holy Spirit communicates to us the, the surety, the, the firmness. He promises the Spirit of God himself within us says, this is going to happen. So that's why our inward groaning can also have an, an eager expectation of the glory to come because God assures it. In the midst of our groaning, we, we wait eagerly. Point two, we wait eagerly. So what are we waiting for? In, in, in verse 23, it says we groan inwardly and we wait eagerly. You see it? Put your finger on it. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Well, according to the text... We are waiting for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. But wait a second, Al. I thought if I'm a Christian, I'm already adopted. In fact, if you look at the verses just prior to our text, that's exactly what Paul says. Look at them with me. Look at verse 14 of Romans 8. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, okay, I've got the first fruits of the Spirit, that must be me, are sons of God. There it is. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. That sounds like present tense, Al. Or even past tense. I have received. Why am I eagerly waiting for something that I already have? By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. This is the Spirit of God. That we are children of God. Yes, because we've been adopted. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Ah, there's a hint. There's a hint. The reason we eagerly wait for what we already have is because we don't already have it to the fullest degree that we will have it. This is the great dilemma that we call the already not yet. Yes, you are adopted. Yes, you are adopted. But there's something you don't have yet as the child of God. And that is your redemption bodies. Look at it. Back again to Romans 8.23. You see that? We eagerly, we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, comma, the redemption of our bodies. The redemption of our bodies is the glory to come that one day this failed body, no matter how beautiful it may be, This failed body will be a glorified body. No more sickness, no more aging, no more tears, no more hurt knees and hurt elbows and whatever you have, hurt feelings. We're going to have glorified bodies when Jesus comes back a second time. So the adoption he's talking about here, you already have, but this aspect of it, he's pointing to the end time. It has an eschatological sense to it. That just means end times. So what you're waiting for, you have, and you have the assurance of it because the Spirit is in you, assuring you, but there's still something you know that you need. And the older you get, the more aware you are of it as you wake up. Your bones creak. One day they're not going to creak anymore. One day you're going to be truly happy, joyous, and nothing can take that away. And it won't be a fake thing, and it won't be drug-induced, or Netflix, Netflix binge-induced, or your favorite, favorite movie that makes you cry for five seconds, and then when it's over, you got to go back to real life. It will be a forever and ever and ever and ever happiness. You'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. That's what you're waiting for, and you've got a down payment of it now. And it was bought by blood, by the blood of Christ. 
That is what we eagerly wait for. We have the Spirit. Because God gave us the Spirit. Not because we earned it, but because Christ earned it. Verse 14 of Romans 8. Verse 15. This Spirit is a Spirit not of slavery. Thank you, Corey. It's not a Spirit of slavery. It's a Spirit of adoption. He's absolutely right. And that Spirit bears witness with my Spirit. I'm no longer this orphaned slave who has no rights and no land and no time. And he's under bondage. I am a child of God. But I'll really have everything when Jesus returns. But I'm a child of God now. Verse 15, verse 16, the spirit of adoption cries out, Abba, Father. Verse 17, listen, we're children of God. We're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We have this wonderful treasure. That's what an inheritance is. Not because we earned it, but because he earned it. And because God chose us to put us in Christ, we are now fellow heirs with Christ. Not based on anything we did, but based totally on what he did. But we had that. Look what we have to look forward to. So we groan, and it's real groaning, and it really hurts. But we've got an eager expectation that we're waiting for. And that's real as well. The thing is, we can't see it, can we? We have to believe God for it, don't we? That glory is unseen, isn't it? And for that reason, we've got to go to point three. We hope patiently. We hope patiently. I I love what Paul says here at the beginning of verse 24. We were saved in that hope. Look at it. For in this hope, what hope? That the adoption we have now will be fully fulfilled when Christ uh, returns. And this inheritance we have, because we're in Christ, will be fully received then. And we were that's the hope you were saved in. You were saved in that hope. But then he has perfect logic here. Read it with me. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? (laughs) Think about it. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I ordered something, and uh, I got an email saying, it'll be there by Saturday afternoon before the end of the day. Right? So I really wanted this thing. So it's Saturday about 4.30, and I'm like, where is it? I'm hoping for it. Going outside looking for the postman, driving around my neighborhood. I'm like, man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Finally, I go, man, it's 5.30. What's the deal? All of a sudden, I hear the the squeal of the the, the mail car, you know. I'm still hoping. Open the door, and I see the mailman, and he's got my package. At that moment, I no longer needed hope because I saw it. The Bible says that that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's why hope, hope is so important. Because there's a lot we don't see, but it's more real than what we do see. And hope brings us through to that point. That's what he's saying in verse 24 here. We hope patiently for it. As soon as that package arrived, I had it. I didn't need the hope. And when Jesus arrives, we'll have it. We don't need the hope. But oh, we need it now. Oh, we need it now. What's so amazing about this passage, friends, is that at the second coming of Christ, at his second advent, we will see his glory. We will experience true, final freedom from sin and death, from its power, from its penalty, from its presence. 
And we'll have this accompanying glorification that we know that we want, though sometimes we don't even know what it is we want. We just know there's something more. There's something more. Yes, you're made in the image of God. Is God. And ruling his creation under his wonderful, benevolent care and rule. And nothing can fulfill it. No success at work, no getting into the school you want to get, or the career you want, or the relationship you want, or the bank account you want, or the home you want. None of that's going to fulfill it. They're just little pictures of it. Enjoy it. But they all are intended to point you to the ultimate fulfillment. Co-heirs with Christ, adoption as sons and daughters, glorification. Whatever glory we taste here, enjoy the taste. But it's the main course is when Christ returns. That's the point. And until that day, creation, and we hope patiently for this freedom. Again, back to verses 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation, verse 22 of Romans 8, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Ladies, you understand the pains of childbirth? We men can't, but we've seen pictures and we've even been there. And it looks pretty rough. That's creation. But look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is the description of what he says in verse 21, obtaining the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The freedom of the glory of the children of God is full adoption, full redeemed bodies. All the cosmos is waiting for that day. And when that day happens, everybody's going to say, yeah! And, and because we're the crown of creation in the image of God, it's us. Not because we're anything, but because we're made in his image. That day when we bust through that tape and we have the redeemed bodies, creation is going to go, finally, yes. It's going to look at us and go, yes, they got their glorified bodies. We're going to be really happy, but creation's really happy. That's what this text is saying. The whole universe is going to be happy. And we must patiently hope for that day. Here's the appeal. We inwardly groan, crying out for freedom, like William Wallace. You've seen that scene at the end of the movie when he just cries out with all of his heart. We eagerly wait for this glory in faith to be revealed, and we patiently hope for this glory that will come at the second coming of Christ. Our hope is not in some document signed by men, but in a covenant signed by the blood of Christ, certified by God the Father in the resurrection, and sealed by God the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the mighty three-in-one, assures us of the hope of true freedom and glory in Christ to come. So Al, what does it look like for me to wait eagerly? And to hope patiently. I got groaning inwardly. You don't have to tell me about that one. I could tell you a few things about what it looks like to groan inwardly. And I'm not just talking about bad Mexican food. But just, you know, groaning inwardly. But what does it mean to wait eagerly? What does it mean to hope patiently? Here's what I think it means. It means that God sees what you're hoping for right now. He put it in your heart. Maybe it's a career that you're hoping for, to serve maybe the government or someplace. Maybe maybe it's getting accepted to a school that will launch a career that you really love. Maybe it's a relationship that you long for. 
Maybe it's to have a child if you're a young couple that have no children. Maybe, maybe it's to see a church flourish. Maybe it's to see a, a, a job, a, your position at work advance. Maybe it's to see a resolution of some things. Maybe it's to see a city won. I, I don't know, whatever it is. But God cares. He cares about that. He cares about you. Why? Because you're in the image of him. So your little victories and glories that you're looking for, he's watching. He just wants to remind you this. He'll give you some and some he won't. But the ones he gives you, they're to give you this foretaste of the ultimate glory to come. So as I wait, as I hope, as I ask God for healing, as I ask God for employment that is, that is not underemployed, as I ask God for a new career, as I ask God for a relationship, as I ask God for a home, as I ask God for whatever, and I really hope and I glory, that, that honors God. God. God put it in you to want to work hard and serve your government. God put it in you to want to work hard and do really well at home, to have a beautiful home. God put that in you because that's part of the deal of ruling underneath his rule. It's in you. Now, when it goes off the tracks and that becomes my God, then we're in trouble, right? Welcome to the world. But as long as I enjoy it. Oh, but don't stop there. When you're done mowing the lawn, you know, everything's trimmed perfectly. The sprinklers just came off. Your home looks like better homes and garden. And you sit back with that beer in your hand and you're going, oh. Don't stop there. Take a moment and think about the eternal glories in Christ because that moment was intended to make you long for the ultimate moment. You got that? When your team wins the Super Bowl, whatever it is, when you, when you rescue someone and it's a miracle, enjoy that moment and then take a moment and say, oh Lord, I wonder what glory is going to be like. See what I'm saying? That's what I think it means to wait eagerly and hope patiently. Ah. Oh. Let's pray. Worship team, please join me. Lord, I know there are people here that are asking you, Father, what I'm hoping for is that I could, I could feel again. My heart's been so broken by tragedy in my life, mine or my family's. So much disappointment. Lord, I pray that you would enable them to, to wait eagerly in their groaning and to hope faithfully. There are those that are praying that you would restore their marriage. Make it alive again. Lord, give them a picture of the heavenly marriage, the bride and the bridegroom. May they wait eagerly and hope patiently. There are some that are praying, Lord, for revitalization in their hearts, in the church, in our city. They're weary. Lord, give them a picture of that eternity when we're not going to be tired anymore. We're not going to be sick anymore. We're not going to be disappointed anymore. We're going to work hard and get the full fruits of our labor. You made us to work and to enjoy The work of our hands, blessed by our God. Lord, I pray that you would teach us as a church how to wait eagerly and hope patiently in your glory in the midst of our inward groaning. Lord, heal your people. Strengthen your people. For our hope is that Christ the Lord was born on that day. He will come back on a future day. And we live in that time where we just wait eagerly and hope patiently. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to stand and sing uh, Glory Be to God.
excuse me, Christ the Lord is born. Christ the Lord is born. Um, this is a time where God is ministering in our midst. So if you would like prayer, we are here to pray with you. We're not in a hurry at all. If you want to go to someone else and ask them to pray for you, let's do that. Um, if, if more people come here for prayer, some of the community group leaders just join us here. But let's worship the Lord and, and thank him that Christ the Lord is born today. Our hope of glory has come. All right, so let's worship him together in song. Zeke, would you lead us? If you want prayer, please come on down.